The violence in the Democratic Republic of Congo is known as the bloodiest since World War II after unaliving as much as 6 million people. And I'm sure you're wondering, if this many people have died, why haven't I heard of this before? Welcome to Area Codes, a planetary radio podcast show speaking on environmental issues, sustainability, social justice, and climate change. In this episode of Area Codes, we're going to look at the details of the history surrounding the ongoing genocide happening in the Democratic Republic of Congo right now. But before we get started, I'm going to have to drop a disclaimer. Every single thing I say in this podcast is based off of my personal research that I did on the internet. Google is free. If you want to know more about what's happening in Congo right now, you can do a quick Google search and try to educate yourself on ways that you could possibly help them. So I don't want this to be a boring history lesson, so I'm going to tell this like a story. But you should know that Africa as a continent is still suffering from the side effects of colonialism. And unfortunately, Congo has lost 6 million lives since 1996 and thousands more are getting unalived daily. For many people listening to this podcast, this may be your first time hearing about such atrocities. The Republic of Congo is a country in Central Africa. Now, before they were colonized by Belgium in the 19th century, Congo was a large area with the second biggest rainforest in the world. I remember hearing about them while I was in school. They migrated from Nigeria and settled in the land, naming it the Kingdom of Congo with a K. And to make a living, their citizens took to fishing, farming, and trading. Now, the citizens with special talents in poetry and arts were highly regarded as chiefs. That's quite interesting. Eventually, the kingdom expanded due to alliances, marriages, and partnerships, and they lived in peace and harmony until 1482. I'm sure you're already curious about what happened in 1482, so I wouldn't really keep you waiting. In 1482, they had visitors, explorers they called themselves from Portugal, and these explorers came preaching the gospel of Christ, and as a result, most of the royal family converted to Christianity. After switching religions, they also switched loyalties and began attacking other African tribes. They would capture prisoners who refused to convert and sell them as slaves to the Portugal island allies, that is the people who actually came to preach the gospel of Christ. Although many Congolese were against this conversion, the conflict continued and the winners of this conflict were always the Christianized chiefs. However, when the conflict was happening, the Portuguese, along with the British, the Dutch, and the French, enslaved many freeborn Congolese people with or without the permission of the kingdom's chief. Meaning, it didn't matter if you were a Christian, it didn't matter if you were a traditionalist, they would enslave you regardless. And by the time the chiefs realized that their allies saw every single African beneath them, regardless of your religious beliefs, it was already too late. In the 19th century, the Kingdom of Congo became a free state of Congo, and even though it was under the colonized rule of Leopold II, Leopold realized that Congo was rich in resources and full of potential. And after an evaluation, they discovered all sorts of minerals, including copper, gold, diamonds, and more. But then they realized that it would take too much time and money to generate revenue from these minerals. Then Leopold decided that the main Congolese product would be rubber and ivory. Now, this business was very profitable and it gave Leopold the funds to hire an army made up of European and Congolese soldiers. And he used the soldiers to impose his rules on the locals. The demand for rubber in the Western market was so high that not even one million Congolese workers could deliver. 
Although the rubber trees were grown far from the residence, the locals were forced to go and collect the milk from the trees at the rainforest very early in the morning. In the same way, ivory hunting was very difficult. And whenever the locals fell short of their quota for the month, the Congolese seeking favors from the European would like commit atrocities to their own people. They would cut off their hands, their feet, sometimes even their heads as punishment on the orders of their masters, of course. Now, aside from mutilations, they would flog locals, burn villages, and sexual violence against women was a daily activity since these women were not protected by um, the law because they could not pay taxes. Women, Women were not allowed to pay taxes, hence they were not protected by law. In this way, 10 million lives were lost and it caused an international outrage. Belgium then decided to rule Congo as a colony and they ruled from 1906 to 1960. However, in the late 1950s, Congo became an independent republic after taking down the Belgian forces. But that was not the end of the violence in the country. Surprisingly, what led people to remember that there was a genocide in Congo was the death of Joy Floyd in 2020, which led to the massive Black Lives Matter protest. And as you can see, Congo has been in a state of unrest for decades, and the current ongoing genocide is connected in some way. This time around, it started with the genocide that happened in Rwanda in 1994. Militants attacked Rwandan citizens, but they were defeated by another group of militants who came into power after their victory. The defeated militants continued to attack Rwanda for two more years. However, in 1996, Rwanda joined forces with Uganda and led their army, um, which was headed by a man called Lawrence Kabila. And they attacked Eastern Congo, which is where most of the resources of Congo is held at, by the way. And then they started the first Congo War. This war ended in 1997 when the dictator of Kambila's army, unalived the dictator in Congo, his name is, and I'm going to try to say it slowly, his name is Sese Seko Mobutu. After his death, they decided, okay, it's time to pack up this war. However, Literally one year later, in 1998, the war started again. One week after the leader of the the previous army, the Kambila guy, he abandoned his alliance with Rwanda and Uganda. And Rwanda decided, hey, let's attack Congo again. And then the big African war, African world war, that's what it was called back then, started. And after millions of deaths on both sides, the war was declared over in 2003. But Congo's instability with Rwanda continued up until 2008, despite multiple peace talks. Even with special interventions, the violence continued in eastern Congo, which is where the minerals and resources are. Do I need to remind you? Yeah, I think I need to do that. So now this dispute continued and took about 6 million lives since 1996. By now, the question playing in your mind is, why should I care about what's happening in Congo? And I have an answer for you. As mentioned before in this podcast episode, Congo is home to many resources and they are now being forced to mine them themselves to survive. They've been displaced from their homes. There isn't even enough food for the kids at refugee camps and women are assaulted daily. Now, you need to understand that Congo is home to over 1,100 mineral resources that is used in the military, aerospace, electronics, and tech industries in the West. So most likely, 
the phone that you're using or the materials you're using to listen to this podcast was made from materials sourced in Congo. And with other happenings in the world, the media has drowned out what is happening in Congo. But to date, thousands of people, including children, are still losing their lives. Over the last few weeks, some citizens in the West have began boycotting things like vapes and avoiding buying texts that they don't need. And you need to remember that your actions can either fuel or stop the genocide. Now that you know what's happening in Congo, it should spark a conversation within you. And my own question is, just how far are governments and people in positions of power willing to go for their greed? It's obvious that back in the colonial era and what's happening right now is based off of the greeds of people in power and those who want to exploit the natural resources of Congo. How many more people have to die to satisfy that greed?